0: WWE Universe, the Delu Podcast is now a brand affiliate of WWEShop.com. That's right, get all of your latest merchandise from your favorite WWE superstars and wear them proud. So whether it's CM Punk, Randy Orton, L.A. Knight, Rhea Ripley, Seth Rollins, the Tribal Chief himself, Roman Reigns, and legends like Bret the Hitman Hart, The Rock, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and so many more. Did I mention championship belts? That's right. Get all of your favorite championship belts through the years, including that favorite Spinner WWE Championship. But also, if you're an NFL fan, you can get your very own team championship belt. If you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, heck, if you're an LA Rams fan, it doesn't matter. The WWE shop will have your belt for you. So once again, go to the link that's in the description and you can go to the d Loop Podcast, wweshop.com affiliate page, where you can get all of your favorite merchandise. Get yours now. This podcast is a Believe Network and Luciete production. Welcome to another edition of the D-Z Podcast, Bronx to you Network. I'm your host Derek T. Lewis, and I hope the week is treating you all well as it is for me. I, for one, am glad that the football season is officially over because I just cannot take any more of my Patriots losing week after week after week after week. I'm hoping that the ongoing talks with uh, Mr. Kraft and Mr. and uh, Coach Belichick you know, go really well this week. Hopefully some changes can be made in regards to bringing in an actual GM who's going to really wheel and deal and get some talent in there because – we're a few pieces offensively away from being a, a real contender, in my opinion. The defense is elite. I think we have some some, some major players on defense, but the offense, we definitely need some skilled players in order to compete with a lot of these really good teams. So best wishes to all the teams that are in the playoffs. I'll definitely be watching just as a football fan. No allegiances on my end. I'm just looking to see some really good football being had throughout these playoffs. But, you know, on this week's episode, I have the honor and privilege of having one, Missy Sampson on the show. She's one of the coaches at the world-famous Monster Factory. That's where I met her. And I met her about three years ago, four years ago now, when she uh, when she uh, first came on board uh, to coach. And her and I, you know, get along great. You know, she understands my vibe and things I do there. And she believes in me. And I, and I appreciate any feedback that she does give me. But I'm bringing her on the show not just to talk about her wrestling career, but the talk not only coaching, but also now starting her own promotion, not just her own promotion, an all-women's promotion, which has been needed in the wrestling space for a very, very long time. An all-women's promotion ran by a woman. That's right. The company is called Bell to Bell, and their first event's coming on March the second, and it will be held at the world-famous Monster Factory in Paulsboro, New Jersey. So Missy, we're gonna we're gonna talk about early life talk about how she became a fan of wrestling, how she got into business, what legendary wrestler was on hand for her very first match, and so much more. Let's not wait any longer. My interview with the one and only Missy Santa starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce someone that I've known about a good four years now, I've known I work with her at the world famous Monster Factory. She's one of the coaches there, but her wrestling career goes over 25 years and she's been everywhere and she's starting her own promotion bell to bell. We're going to talk about her career, her coaching, and now her as a wrestling promoter for all wins promotion, the one and only Missy Sampson. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Thanks, Dee. Thanks for asking me. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I appreciate it. So like I said, it's an honor and a privilege to have someone of your expertise that's been in this business for for, half a a century, you know, I would say say quarter of a century. 28 now. 28 years. Wow. (laughs) Incredible.
1: Yeah, I did the math today driving over to the school.
0: Yeah, we're at 28. So you've been around a while and we're going to talk about everything, you know, as far as wrestling. But we're going to talk about young Missy as far as growing up in Philly, Philly area. So what was, tell me about life growing up. Is young Missy growing up in Philly um I well I grew up in a suburb of Philly okay um
1: growing up uh it was a couple of years later well many years later depending on how little Missy we're talking mm-hmm. um that I actually lived in the city but um it, you know I, I grew up with parents who divorced when I was four
2: mm-hmm.
1: um I have uh an older half sister from my dad's first marriage that I didn't meet till I was 29 or 30 Mhm. Um, I have three older, full-blooded sisters. I'm the youngest. Mm -hmm. Uh, My parents divorced when I was four. My dad married my stepmother, who a lot of people will hear me refer to as my mother. To me, that was my mother, my stepmother. Right. Um, They married when I was 11 or 12. Okay. Um, Angel of a woman. She's no longer with us. Mm -hmm. In 2008, I lost my stepmom to pancreatic cancer. In 2009, I lost my dad to congestive heart failure. Mm. Um, And then they found my biological mother. The last couple of years of her life, I didn't speak to her at all. I wanted nothing to do with her.
0: Mm.
1: Um, But they found her dead in 2011. Oh my God. In her apartment. Yeah. She had died of, um, I think she had a heart attack. I think that's Mm. what it was, but she also had pneumonia and a bunch of other stuff at the time. Wow. So, and you know, uh, you know, when my parents divorced when I was four, my dad owned a hair salon mm-hmm. at the time he was a hairdresser. Okay. And uh, so he got primary custody of me and my three older sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was running his own business, so he wasn't home a lot. And when he was home, he liked to watch wrestling. That's where I get it from. Mm. I always psychoanalyze myself and say, I think as a kid, um, you know, I wanted my dad's attention. And when he'd come home from work, he just wanted to sit and relax. So he would turn on wrestling. And I think, you know, I think if I psychoanalyze it now, I jumped up on the couch. You know, if this is the time I can have with my dad, I'll get into it. You know, what are we doing? Like that kind of thing. So that's, you know, but, you know, I was a good student most of my life. I did drop out of high school when I was 17. Mm -hmm. Um because I had a lot going on I was moving between my dad and my biological mother's house and right. a bunch of that back and forth and um you know I did end up getting a GED mm-hmm. uh, as you know uh in May of this of 2023 I just got my bachelor's degree so there you go um yep so but that's you know so growing up was like one easy but
0: well, wow, it's, it's incredible that we have all these different, you know, journeys that led us to, you know, us knowing each other and everything. Yeah. I mean, I have a similar story in the sense of, you know, how I started watching wrestling was really with my mom and my grandmother. That's how I started watching wrestling. So, and we're we're, we're the same age. You who, know what was, I mean? so like, who was grandma's favorite? She was actually a fan of Bruno San Martino. She was a Bruno. She loved Bruno. And he did
1: Special guest commentary on my very first match ever.
0: Wow. Incredible. And I was actually when I went to the WWE Hall of Fame in 2013 at Madison Square Garden, the first person I thought of was my grandmother when Bruno got up there to speak. And I was at his Hall of Fame induction. And I mean, you could you could hear a pin drop in the garden and everyone had, you know, he had everyone's undivided attention because of just who he is. Who he is, yeah. Absolutely. So so you talk about growing, you know, you watching wrestling with your dad. So was it you know obviously was it uh wwf was it with some of the other promotions you were watching
1: yeah like i remember when i when i was just watching with my dad it was primarily wwf and then i got into you know world class and mm. you know which then spiraled into wcw and mm-hmm. um you know so i was watching that stuff we didn't have the internet
0: then right you it, know, exactly so, we didn't no
1: <laughs> i didn't find out independent wrestling existed till i was 16 so, you know, I thought, you know, these TV productions were, were all you had. Right. You know, and then when I was younger, I watched the original incarnation of Glow. Who Huge
2: was your favorite Hollywood, on there, by the way? Vine.
1: Hollywood and Vine were my I favorites. Um, and I got to meet Hollywood years later when I was in the business. We were at a signing convention type deal together. Sweet as can be. Sweet as can be. Um, you know, was a fan of Mountain Fuji. God rest her mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful soul. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but that was primarily what I watched growing up. You know, that stuff. Now, you know, when when I, you know, turned 16, found out about independent wrestling and different promotions, you know, then you had the tape trader days where I would have you know, I would get tapes of like Florida wrestling, Georgia, uh Mem- Smoky Mountain.
0: Oh yeah. Cornette's promotion. Like when yeah, I right. found
1: out that there was more than these two TV wrestling companies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh my, Like you couldn't keep it from me. I was yeah.
0: That Just, was the TV. you want to of... make
1: an appearance on my interview? Come here. You could say hi.
0: <laughs> oh, cats and hey, yeah. awesome this is Santa. Hey Santa,
1: That's also all black.
0: Awesome. So. There. So you so you talk about you know you were starting to get to understand you know you know obviously before you were 16 it was just obviously the two big promotions at the time WWF and WCW then of course you're learning about all these different independent promotions. So as you were starting when you were you know as you were getting older and everything when when did the light bulb go off when you said hey I'm going to go learn this trade as a professional wrestler? What was when was it and what school did you end up going to 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 train?
1: Um. So hold on one
0: second. I'll put her over here.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Lay down.
1: I'm busy. Um. So one of the first independent, well, the first independent promotion that I found was ECW. Okay.
0: Um.
1: My dad's house had burnt. I was living with my biological dad at the time. Mm -hmm. I fell asleep cooking. The house caught fire. We were in an apartment. It was the summer. The apartment was like twenty minutes to a half an hour from where we lived. I didn't drive or have a car pardon me so I was like stuck in this apartment all summer long right? and I remember I was flipping channels one day trying to find something to watch because I was stuck inside and like I was flipping channels real quick and like something I passed something and my brain went was that a good looking dude in a wrestling ring (laughs) so I go back and I'm watching and lo and behold it was a good looking guy in a wrestling ring and it was ECW. Um, and it was Tommy Dreamer. I'll admit it. It was Tommy Dreamer. Was the good looking guy.
0: Was this um, during the suspenders? Air, the, the suspenders? Yeah. Like, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Got it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so this was before he became the innovator of violence. violence yeah. right. And I was like watching. I was like, what is this? So then like, I found, and then I found out they taped in Philly. And so I, like, I, again, just kind of sponged on ECW. And one of my older sisters, um, I had said something to her, but I forget how she found out that I started watching it. And there was a girl that we went to high school with. And she was like, she goes to all those ECW shows. Like she knows all those guys. I was like, what? Oh my God. And so even though my dad had full primary custody, my biological mom would get visitation on weekends. Mm-hmm. So it was probably like two weeks later. That we were at the mall eating in the food court. And lo and behold, but who comes up to me but this girl who knew everyone? And so she came up to say hello. And uh, pardon me. <coughs> Still getting over a little bit of a cold. I'm oh, sorry about that. Um, she came over to say hello, and I was like, oh my God. I started watching ECW and you know, my sister, I was like, said, you know everybody. She's like, oh my God, yeah, I go to all those shows. And they were usually on the weekends, which is Mm -hmm. when my biological mom would have me. So she's like, yeah, I'll let you go sometime. And then we'd be setting up that I was going to get to go. And then my dad would ground me for something Mm -hmm. stupid. And I wasn't able to go a bunch.
2: Right. And
1: then I ended up moving out of my biological dad's house back to my biological mom's house. Was that time I told you I was going back and forth? Right, right, right. So I went to my biological mom's house, and she was like, yeah, go. Have a great time. So she gave me her car. Uh, I picked the girl up and went to ECW and Plymouth meeting at Lulu Temple. And uh, walked in, and um, there was like a stage. It's like a Shriner's Club. There was like a stage with curtains, and standing on the stage was Two Cold Scorpio. So the first wrestler I ever met was two cold Scorpio. And the friend took me over and introduced me and explained it was my first show. And he was like, who do you want to meet? And I was like, so it was great. He, you know, he brought out who I wanted to meet. and Later I got to meet Tommy dreamer, which was even better. And, you know, and then I just started going to ECW shows. And there was a girl that used to work for ECW back in the day. Her name is angel Amoroso.
2: Okay. She
1: was the virgin princess angel. For those who don't remember, the old ECW opener used to have a girl, a black haired girl in a white wedding dress getting tamed. Well, the black haired girl in the white wedding dress was Angel. So I had been going to a couple of ECW shows and then Angel was running a uh, indie fed in Philly.
2: Okay.
1: I think it was Tri-State Wrestling at the time. I think maybe. Um. Somehow the, the girl that I was going to these shows with gets booked on that show. She had never trained to wrestle in her life. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but she didn't drive. So me and my mom were like, we'll drive you. So problem. am school. So we go down, she does the show. Afterwards, everybody goes out to eat at this place. There's a very long table and I'm in the middle. My mom's to my left. And Angel is about one person over and across from me. and you got to think this was a time when women wrestlers weren't as abundant as they are now agreed and in the middle of general conversation my mom throws out you know missy's always wanted to to wrestle and angel like perked up and she goes really she goes i'll train you for free just to have somebody else to work with and take around with me wow and i was like oh my god really yes (laughs) So, uh, I started training at a gym called Hawkins in, uh, Philadelphia. It was a two car garage. There was always a busted down car and in one bay and a busted down ring in the other. And Angel came with me a few times. And, uh, I remember when they were trying to teach me how to back bump and I wasn't getting it. New Jack was there. So they started like pushing me over New Jack's back. Yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but then Angel stopped coming and the guys at Hawkins kind of took me under their wing.
0: So that's how that's how I got in it. That's a crazy story. (laughs) And the fact that it went from how your biological mother ultimately put out there. Hey, you you know, she's always wanted to do this. And it just everything just it, it was all meant to happen. You know what I mean? Clearly. And I love hearing I love hearing stories about that. So now that you're training. You know, obviously, you you know, you going. i I would I would imagine every week or at least you know once a month. Two, whatever the case
1: it was. No, we were training like two three times a week.
0: Okay, so as you were getting your training in, when was it that they felt comfortable saying, "Okay, Missy, we're comfortable with you." You know, getting bookings and that type of thing. How long oh, did it take? No, no, you no to... that
1: that didn't happen. Oh, that didn't happen. So what happened was, I'll never forget it. I was at home asleep. I was sleeping. I went to bed early. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom comes in and wakes me up and there was a promoter named Dino Santa. He still promotes NPA, promotes uh, triple WA wrestling. Okay. And he was on the phone and I had met him through Angel and I think I'd managed on a couple of his shows. And uh, he was on the phone. So I get on the phone and here he was having a show that weekend. And Angel had said me and her were going to go. Now she didn't tell me any of this. I didn't know any of this. Angel canceled and he wanted to know if I could still come and if I could wrestle. And I tried to say to him, I, I I'm not ready. I, I wasn't anywhere near ready. Right. And he's like, Well, figure it out. Just come here. And I said, Well, I don't have a car that'll take me. There was in Danville, PA. So he ends up setting me up. He said, Listen, can you get to the Philadelphia airport? And I said, Yeah, I live by a train station. Train goes right to the airport. He goes, uh, meet at this terminal at this time and your ride will be there. So I ended up meeting um, his ref at the time, Dan Haney at the airport, who was picking up none other than George, the animal steel.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah so I rode in a van, I'm in the back row, George the animal is in front of me. And then Dan Haney and his wife were driving to Danville okay. and I'm again, I grew up watching George, the animal steel
0: eating the turnbuckle in the, yeah, yeah. Stop so I'm like
1: out. behind it, <laughs> looking at his the back of his bald head. Mm-hmm. Like being like, what is what is going on right now? Exactly. And keeping my mouth shut. And uh Dan starts talking, and Dan mentions it's gonna be my first match. And with that, George Animal Steel perks up, turns around, and he's like, Really? And I'm like, Yeah, and we start talking and uh we we get to the we get to the building and Dino comes out to greet George Animal Steel. A door opens, um, Dino shakes his hand, and George goes, this girl should go over for the belt tonight, I'm just saying. And I was like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? And I'm not kidding you at all. Wow. So I, I get out, and it was at some sort of
2: a school. Mm-hmm.
1: And their show was in the gymnasium. They had the boys' locker room on the first floor. Girls' locker room was on the second floor. And I was the only girl, so I was put up there. Like I didn't even walk into the men's room or men's locker room at all. Um, and mind you, again, I was not eighteen at the time.
2: Right.
1: So, um, so I'm in the locker room getting changed, and then the girl I was supposed to wrestle wasn't coming. So they were like, "What are we going to do?" Um, and there was a a, a guy who used to wrestle, um, almost in like a Power Ranger gimmick. Mm-hmm. He was Ranger 7 was his name. So they bring they bring him up to me. And here we pull one of my bras under his gear, stuffed it. I used an entire tube of concealer stick on the stubble on his neck. He wore a mask and we went out as the sister of Ranger 7. And here's how much of a mark I am, right? So when you come out of the women's locker room, you can either go down the steps and out. Mm-hmm. Or it's one of those school gymnasiums where... Um, there's like a, a a balcony up top. where yeah, the, I was just about to know, say that balcony, yeah. And then the bleachers. Right. And I don't know how many people have seen the old uh, Raven entrance where he comes down the bleachers. And I was still very much a mark at that point. I mean, I'm still on the mark, but so I was like, no, I went over, feet over the railing, down the bleachers to the ring. Get in the ring and we call, it was supposed to be a women's title match. And the champ hadn't showed. So here they announce it's for the title. And we had called like 30 seconds. It was under a minute of stuff. And I was going to like bump, bump, bump this dude. He was going to get frustrated and leave, get counted out. And I end up with the title. So before that happens, I get in the ring. Sister of Ranger 7 gets in the ring, which is when they announce special guest commentary, Bruno Martino. Now, I know who Bruno Sammartino is.
2: Right, right. So
1: I'm in the ring, nervous as hell. I'm not ready for this. It's my first match. We, I'm sorry, and you're bringing Bruno Sammartino out here to watch this? Oh, my God. So the 30 seconds went good. I get counted out. They made me as the champ. They snapped the belt on my waist. I instantly rolled out, walked over to the commentary table, stuck my hand out, and introduced myself to Bruno Sammartino. And I used my shoot name, which I was not using to wrestle at that moment. (laughs) I was wrestling as Jade at the time, and I'm like, Missy Sampson, so nice to meet you, sir.
0: Mm -mm -mm. Wow, that's... Wow, so your very first match (laughs) in the business, you win the title. Want to buy a out? Win the
1: the title, you get a two-hour ride with Georgie Animal Steel, get commentary done by Bruno Sammartino.
0: Yeah. Incredible. So... As you're going on through your journey, you know, through wrestling, you know, talk about different promotions. I know WSU, I know there was one, that was one popular one as far as all women are concerned. Yeah. Which other promotions were you working for or some of the promoters you were working for? Anyone that would book me. Uh,
1: I worked a lot for (laughs) Dennis Carluzzo. Okay. Who ran anybody in New Jersey. Uh, You know, anyone who worked in Jersey back in the 90s, man, everyone knows who Dennis is. Mm -hmm. Um, He was quite the carny, but. You know, he, he wasn't ill-willed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot from that man. And, you know, and he gave me a lot of opportunity to work with different people and try stuff out. And, uh, you know, Donnie B was his booker for a while, and I can't thank him enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Dino Santa. Uh, I'm so bad with my memory, you know this. Um, you know, I, I did work for Dangerous Women Wrestling, Women's Extreme Wrestling. Uh, Defiant Wrestling out of Connecticut. I used to go work there all the time. Uh, NWA Upstate in uh, Rochester, New York. OSPW in Buffalo. Uh, Went and worked for a company, PWA, in Canada, in Toronto. Uh, You know, I mean, pretty much anyone that
0: would book me. Has bad, will travel. Right. So during that time, was the goal to get signed by... Was it because obviously you know WWF is the only game in town, and then of course there was WCW during the latter years, but then there was TNA and it was Ring of Honor. Where's the goal to get signed by those companies, yes and no, right?
1: Because I think everyone's goal is to get signed by those companies. Can I help you? I'm giving an interview. Sorry, <laughs> my cat again. That's good. Okay. Um, you know I think everybody's goal is to get it is to get signed by one of those companies, right? Mm-hmm. But, and I, and I say this to our students out at the Monster Factory, I thought I was doing everything I could. I was not. Um, I didn't put enough effort in to try to getting signed. Um, I was very self-conscious. I had started to gain weight. Um, I was very skinny, blonde, very pretty when I started. Um, and I started to gain weight. And, you know, and so I was very self-conscious about my wrestling skill and things like that. So I never tried, you know, I never did what I should have done or what I needed to do um, to really go after being signed by those companies. And then, you know, when I was in my prime, when you talk about WWE, that was the divas Era, you know? And at that point, again, I'd started to gain weight. I wasn't putting bikinis on. I wasn't coming out for a lingerie contest, you know? And that wasn't what I wanted to do anyway. I wanted to wrestle.
2: Right.
0: Now, you've mentioned over the years as far as the different relationships you've built. You know, we talked about obviously Cindy Rogers and there's primetime Amy Lee, And there's uh, Mercedes Martinez. Shout out to Cindy Rogers, who I met so many years ago at That's my yeah, crew. Yeah. Like we were and she told ta- she was telling <laughs> me about some people like Annie Social and all these different people that were wrestling on the independence that a lot of people weren't, they weren't seen on the, on a national level, on a national scale. And he said, go on YouTube, watch these people. So you talk about these different relationships, obviously the the notorious 187 homicide, you know, Eddie Kingston that you've mentioned. So how about these relationships that you able to maintain over the years through the world of professional wrestling?
1: You know, I'm very blessed, you know, I'm I'm very blessed when it comes to the relationships I've made in wrestling. Right. Mm -hmm. Cindy Rogers, my one, um, you know, one time tag partner, one time foe. Um, you know, I, I I traveled a lot with her. Um, I love her to death. I still love her to death. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of these people I don't speak to all the time anymore. Um, but we're all still in each other's lives. You know, right. Cindy and um, you know, Annie Social was my tag partner. Um, the truth is when I met her, I hated her. I mean, hated her. <laughs> um, couldn't stand her. And uh, she started training at the Animal House, which was being run by Trent and Johnny Cashmere at the time. And Trent, who was one of my best friends, uh, you know, said to me, he was like, "Yo, do me a favor. Like, don't hate my girl. Like, if you actually get to know her, you know, I think you guys would really like each other. And I was like, fine. (laughs) You know, so then I started to actually spend time with her. And now that's my life partner. Like, I would kill, you know, everyone else. Over her like that's I love That girl Um, You know h- homicide I've known Since when Jersey All Pro started Um, he was Brought in I was brought in to manage Him Um, And a tag team called NC 17 They were all Hispanic And we were the nation of immigration And the joke Was I was the white chick that got them all the green Cards oh my um, God. Yeah. So You know I Wow you know, the first show we did together. Right. And he was, you know, he heard I was training to wrestle at the time. And um, so he always made sure I had spots on shows and I would drive up with a carload of the boys. And in Bayonne where they were running right after the show, there was a bar across the street. Didn't cart anybody. So it didn't matter how old any of us were. <sighs> and after the show, the boys being the boys want to go over, try to pick up ch- whatever. That wasn't my scene. So I remember the first night we worked together, everything went well. We go into the bar and there's like a, uh, I want to almost want to call it like a candy cane shaped bar. Okay. And on the hook part sits homicide with a beer, watching the baseball game. Nobody else is around him. He's by himself. The boys now scurry off to find women, I, whatever. So I go down and I go around and see next him is open. And I said, uh, Hey, can I, you know, can I sit here? And he was like, Yeah, absolutely. So I hop up, and this will tell you how old this is. And he he laughed about it. Then I ordered myself a Zima. I'm not a beer drinker.
0: Oh, Zima, man, that's old school.
1: <laughs> I ordered myself a Zima and ordered him another beer. Right. And he made fun of me over the Zima, and but we sat there for the rest of the night just bullshitting, talking about, you know, growing up, our families, you know, wrestling, just everything. Mm-hmm. And then, so then, you know, when the boys are ready, we leave. And uh, the next show, we come back. We work together. Everything's great. We go across to the bar. He's at the hook part of the bar again. And there's a Zima sitting in front of the chair next to him. Oh, that's cool. For me. So I go up, hop up on the bar stool. And again, we're just sitting there talking all night. And not even always about wrestling, you know, baseball, just everything. And uh, that's how he became one of my best friends.
2: I love your
0: stories about that. You know, because a lot of times I even know now, like I said, I've been in the business for a little, over five years. And it's like, most of the time I don't even talk wrestling when I'm in the locker room. I'm talking other, other things, you know, with, with some of the boys and the girls, you know, because like we, we, there's enough wrestling. We got enough to worry about. So it's like, yeah,
1: I can talk wrestling with you, but we're going to have a much deeper connection. If we're talking about something else.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you were, you know, going to shows and you're getting booked, excuse me, what were some of the challenges you faced as a woman in the world of
1: professional wrestling? Well, again, when I started, we weren't a dime a dozen. We, and we were an attraction match. right? And not every promotion wanted to have an attraction match. So there weren't a lot of opportunities for us then. And then as more women got into wrestling, mm-hmm. it was these obnoxiously good-looking women and then promoters wanted to book them regardless of skill or talent.
0: Of course, right?
1: You know, so so those were always kind of you know. And then trying to get a fair payday was an issue. Um, you know, so off the top of my head, like those were the real issues we you know we
0: had. Wow. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, when you said it, it was not that many back then because obviously what we saw on our television was women weren't really shown for their athletic prowess, you know what I mean? It was more or less about beauty, and there's nothing wrong with the beauty, you know what I mean? It's nothing wrong with that, right. but I just felt as though They even as I look back now, you know, it's I'm just like, I cringe sometimes. I'm just like...
1: Look, you know, you know the, the Tori Wilsons, the Stacey Keeblers, they weren't trained wrestlers. no. You know, they were models who, you know, were hired for those purposes and then were trained to do when they had, you know, the matches that they had. They were trained to do like those matches. Right. You know, and and again, that's not me slighting them in the least. Oh, no, no,
0: no, no,
2: no.
1: You uh know, if if I had been them and, and was given the opportunity, I would have taken it, too. Absolutely. But, you know, that's the that's the reality of where we were, you know. They, you know, and and they're almost kind of back to it now where they're hiring athletes from other sports as opposed to people who want to be a wrestler.
0: Yeah, you kind of take that with a grain of salt, because if you know, you know. (laughs) So what led to, in regards to the in-ring part, what led to you scaling back and more or less retirement as far as, okay, I'm going to just take a step back, you know, from the in-ring stuff?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as I said, I had started a game late. I was getting older. I'm now 45. Um, And I had been diagnosed with a few health conditions. I have Mm -hmm. uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, At one point, I was on the verge of COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. Um, I had heart surgery when I was 30. Um, You know, so all of that and all the bumps I took started to catch up to me. And I, you know, I couldn't wrestle at what I thought was a good level anymore. You know, and, and there are now so many women wrestlers that the business was okay if I left, you know, like like right. it, I can go now. Um, So I had to come to the, the realization that it was just time. It was just time to go.
0: But having the humility to say that to yourself, hey, you know what, it's time to back out. Everything is good now. I left it better than I found it. And I think that's where a lot of people come to those. I mean, I
1: probably should have backed out five years before I did. But,
0: uh, oh, I mean, I
1: I held on as long as I could.
2: Right, right, right.
1: You know, and and the whole time with my family wanting me to quit.
0: Mm. You know, they they
1: didn't want me to wrestle.
0: Got it now. All of this leads you to being a coach at the Monster Factory. So I'm going to tell you how that happened. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question. So
1: I had met Danny Cage one time, ironically, at a New Kids on the Block concert. We happened to be sitting in the same section. Right. And, you know, you're in wrestling long enough. You know people, even though you don't know them. Right. So me and Danny knew of each other. And we have enough mutual friends that we know the other's not an, an asshole. Right. Um, so I met him in person at the concert. And then uh, he invited me to, like, come hang out and see a Monster Factory show or whatever, whenever I wanted. Right. So at one point, I had stopped into the school on a training night, check mm-hmm. everything out. I think I'd come to a Factory Friday show, too. Okay. Checked it out. Cool. So I had my last official match in November, 2019. Okay. And I'm done. I have my weekends back now. Life's good. I'm not doing anything in wrestling anymore. I'm done. And then March, 2020 hits. And, you know, the first thing that hit in March, 2020 was the um, speaking out movement in pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I mean we could do hours on that, but mm-hmm. it led to a lot of people questioning why more women weren't in coaching or or leadership roles within the industry. And um so I'm I'm sitting at home the one day and uh Danny Cage slides into my Twitter DMs. And he's like, hey, what's your phone number? I want to call you. And talk to you about something. So I sent him my phone number. Mm-hmm. About an hour later, he calls me. And he goes, have you ever thought about coaching? And I went, no. <laughs> and he goes, do you want to? And I was like, um. And at that time, he had also talked to and was bringing on board Ricky Reyes. Right. Who I had known for years. That's my brother. I had also gone to training classes. Ricky Reyes had led. He is a phenomenal coach and trainer.
0: Absolutely, he has the ability to
1: break everything down to the smallest movement for you. I don't have that talent, and that's what I said to Danny. I said, "Look, I don't, I don't have the talent to be able to break it down like that for people. I can clean it up once you teach it to them, but I don't have the break it down to the smallest. Walk you through every." And Danny went, "You don't need to." Danny's like, I'm good at that. Ricky's good at that. Like, we all bring something different to the table. Um, and Danny's really good about convincing you you can do something you don't think you can do.
0: I can I can, I can yeah. vouch for that. <laughs> Trust me. Um, I can vouch.
1: You know, and and he, you know, he was so like amped up on the idea that I went, I'll give it a try. Right. Because I'd never thought about coaching. Because again, I didn't think it was something I would be good at. You know, but but then when the guy who owns the number one ranked wrestling school in the world calls you and goes, hey, you want to come coach here? Uh, uh, yeah, so that was March. Uh, you know, COVID had just started to roar up. Everything closed down for a few weeks. So I think it was the end of maybe the beginning of June when, when the school was actually opened back up again. Um, and we could go in and start coaching with protocols put into place and, Stuff like that. So that's how I ended up at the Monster Factory. And I heard afterwards that it was actually Gabby Ortiz who said to him, you know, why don't you call Missy and ask Missy to come and coach? Wow. Um, Mind you, Gabby Ortiz, who I had met one time on a show, uh, we got booked for Jenny Rose was running a fed. Okay. And we got booked in a tag match. It was me and Gabby. Uh, Against Sumiskai and Vita von Star, okay. Uh, and I'll never. We were in Gorilla getting ready to go out right behind the curtain, and our ref goes, "Mother daughter tag team to me and Gabby." <laughs> and I go, "Normally that would piss me off, but she's so pretty that if you think something that gorgeous came out of me, I'm gonna be all right with that one."
2: <laughs> so,
1: but we had a great time at that show. Me and her just clicked. Um, but it's not like she was one of my best friends. It's not like we knew each other very well. So for her to step up and be like, Hey, you ever thought about Missy? You know, it means a lot to me. Um, and I started coaching there and that was, yeah, almost four years, four years ago.
0: It's crazy to think about it was four years ago. We were completely shut down, locked yeah. down as an entire planet. It was, it's insane to even think about now, but as you were starting to get to grow into your role, you know, as coach, I'm still was, growing into that role. And that's okay. But as you were, but it's almost, especially during that time, as you were transitioning into the role, I might add, what was I guess? What's the difference now of, of being a professional wrestler and versus coaching? What was the differences? Was, and what were some of the similarities?
1: You know, when I when I started coaching, um, I was in the "fake it till you make it" mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to uh, train in Reading with a with a kid, Matt Bomboy, and uh, he always said the best advice I ever gave him was, "If you act like you know what you're doing, people will treat you like you know what you're doing." Um, so, you know, at at first, and there are still times where I feel like I'm faking it till I make it right where I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but there are other times where, you know, I'll teach the kids something and you see it click Mm -hmm. and I go, that's why I'm here. So, you know, it's different, right? I don't have to take all the bumps anymore, which is great. Mm Um, and I have to, you know, instead of thinking about what do I want to do, where do I want to go? It's what do I want these kids to do? Where do I want them to go? Where do they want to go? You know, I'm I mean, you've been around me at the school. I'm all about those kids, man. Right. And you're one of my kids as far as I'm concerned, like your family, D. You know, and, and that whole place is just a big extended family.
0: I agree. Um, I again. I was a total stranger to the rest of the wrestling business side of it. And the, the fact that I can text somebody or whatever to, to just uh, shoot the breeze. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like one of the coolest things in the world. You know what I mean? To pick up a guy like the like, Beer City Bruiser and he's like, Hey man, give me a call it. sometime.
1: Sorry. I love it when you do something cool like get a get a suite with your credentials at like a WWE pay-per-view and you're like sending me pictures, like <laughs> that like is like that sets my soul on fire now.
0: Right. And I was going to, and I was going <clears> to <throat> ask you that is that what is the biggest as a coach now, is it more or less about, let's say some of your students getting booked to an to one of the big promote in the independent promotions or if they're doing extra work or is it them getting something at practice at training? What's the biggest joy for you? Both.
1: Right. Cause, cause you got those kids getting all that extra work, you know, the, you know, Mimi got signed to WWE, right? You know, uh, you know, Goldie and Brett have had numerous extra works. You know, mm-hmm. Goldie's Goldie just got booked for New Japan and California, Japan, like
0: that. Yeah, I saw that. I know, saw the graphic. I am like, stuff,
1: wow. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it as a coach, that's awesome. But it's also awesome when you know we we've got you know other kids at the school. I am going to use Aiden Nitro as a, an example, right? Who came in during our kids' camp quiet, shy, reserved, like, oh my, and now like he walks in, like he's got this personality. So to see, you know, to see how how much coming to wrestling training has helped him come out of his shell, you know, to, to knowing some of the kids are having, you know, hard emotional times or, or hard times at, at home. Right. And coming to the school is their getaway. Um, all of it means so much to me. You know, I, because again, not all of them are ever going to make it to, uh, you know, a TV company, um, statistically it just doesn't happen. Yeah. But seeing each one of them succeed on whatever level to whatever makes them feel like they've succeeded. Like we just had our first training class of the year last Tuesday. And I've got them right here. I had all the kids fill out three goals for themselves for the year. You know, because because I want them to see them setting goals for themselves and then working towards, if you see this shaking now, the other cat's up here um, and was petting herself on the iPad, <laughs> um, you know, but but to see them setting goals for themselves and then reaching those goals, like that's, as a coach, there's no better feeling. In the world
0: yeah i love hearing that you know and 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 speaking of which you know obviously we have the docu series monster factory which you can see on apple tv it's six um 30 minute episodes, episodes they yeah. really go in depth into what it's like in regards to on your side as far as coaching you and dan you know obviously the day in the lives of of, of our highlighted super, uh, super I, don't think I call superstars um, then of course they're, they they're are super yeah, they are. And I mean, all of us had a big part in it. So as a coach, you know, how was that experience for you? You know, having the cameras around and trying to have some filter, but then of course it's like you're, you're coaching, you know what I mean? And, and you want to get your point across. When it, what was that experience like for you?
1: When it started, I hated it.
0: I didn't want to do it. Oh,
1: I didn't come to the monster factory to be on TV. I came to coach kids. That's what I wanted to do. Right. So the first day we get there, (laughs) um, the first day we get there and we're filming and there's all these camera guys and Dan's leading training. And at one point the kids were lined up doing their roles and I'm standing where I stand for this because I'm watching feet work. And uh, Zach Cooperstein, who was the director of photography for the, Mm -hmm. for the show who I aptly nicknamed sparkles later in, in filming. Mm -hmm. And that stuck for him. So I'm going to refer to him as sparkles. He's got a camera and he's coming backwards and he looks back at me and goes, Hey, Missy, like, can you move out of the way? And like, that was like the end of it for me. Like I was, I walked over and like stood against the wall to the point where at one point, like Dan looked around and was like, where's Missy? And I'm like, like, apparently I'm in the way. Like all of that bothered me so bad. I hated it. Um, But the more I got to know the crew like that helped me. And then I was all in. And then I was I was great about it. Um, but if it wasn't for like Galen, Will, uh, Nady, Janie, like those were the people that made me embrace that whole situation. Cause like I said, you know, yeah, filming that filming that whole series was great for everyone. But at first it was just a pain in my ass. They were in the way. Wasn't what I came here to do.
0: So The award-winning Monster Factory, I might add. The uh, award-winning, yes. Absolutely. We are a part of history, ladies and gentlemen. We are. Well, again, we've come here to talk about your promotion, your all-women's promotion, Bell to Bell. How did this come to be? So,
1: I never wanted to run a women's fed ever. I've said that for years, millions of times.
0: Why?
2: I just didn't, man.
1: I just (laughs) didn't. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, booking all women and dealing with all women is way more difficult than dealing with, with male wrestlers. It just is. And that's not me knocking them. It just is. Um, And again, it would be me putting my money on the line, right? Every promoter takes a risk. Agreed. Um, and I was always like, I'm not that dumb. I'm not risking my money on that. So <laughs> there was uh, a women's wrestling fed. Uh, running up this way who I'm not going to name
2: mm-hmm.
1: who um, I'd worked with for I don't know a year and a half maybe
2: okay.
1: trying to help them out right because being a female wrestler I get it from both sides like I understand both sides of, of that coin so I was trying to help out and then I kind of stepped away for a bit for months and apparently shit went bad and that blew up and that fed wasn't there anymore and I guess some of the girls felt like they had gotten burned in that whole thing. Um, And I had a promoter in a different state hit me up when everything got blown up on the internet, mm-hmm. Um, you know, to say to me, like, you know, Hey, like, I- I'm sure you're taking a, a, you know, a little bit of a hit for this because, you know, you want, you helped them. You wanted them to succeed. Like, but just know that like you did what you could, like, this isn't your fault. And at the end was like a little line. And, you know, and if you ever decide to do anything, let us, you know, let me know. I would love to be supportive. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. thanks. Uh, And then two days later, (laughs) Danny Cage, again, makes you believe you can do things you don't want to do. Right. um, Hits me up and he goes, because, you know, clearly he sees all the backlash. And he says, you should run an all women's fed out of the factory. Keep me out of it. He's like, you can use the factory, the ring, everything we have. You run it. Keep me out of it. I was like, "Eh, I got to think about it. And then one of the first people I called was Gabby Ortiz. And I was talking about it with her. And she was like, I think you should do it. And I said, then I got to come up with a name. And she says to me, I always thought if I ever ran a women's company, I'd call it Bell to Bell. So she wanted B-E-L-L-E 2-T-O-B-E-L-L-E. And I went, I think I'm going to have to steal that. And she's like, I said, but I'm going to make it the number two and Bell B-E-L-L-E, you know, strong woman Mm to Bell B-E-L-L, ring bell. She was like, oh, that's awesome. So really the name came from Gabby Ortiz. And then I just altered it slightly. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, and then once you get a name, man, ideas start going. And then,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I had, I think I had booked the show and I was still telling people I was thinking about it, <laughs> you know, but. um, Yeah, so then uh, I picked a date at a time and I cleared the date with Dan for the factory. And then uh, I started hitting some girls up like we just announced it on New Year's. This stuff, this stuff was being booked and plotted in October. Um, I just wanted to give some time for things to die down a little bit. Agree. Um, but I'd hit the girls up. You know, I knew I knew who was working. You know, like I announced everything. You know, we're filming this on a Sunday. I've announced everything but the main event up to right now. I'll announce the main event tomorrow. Um, wait, you're not going to put this out today, are you?
0: No, 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 no. not Great. At all.
1: Main event is Rebecca Scott versus Notorious <laughs> Mimi. So I can tell you that, like, but I had, I had, I've had this show booked for at least a month and a half, two months now. I mean, I'll tell you the second show, it was already pretty much completely booked. I'm waiting for confirmation from one person. Um, But that's how prepared we are. And then, you know, I decided I wanted to run every other month because every month would be too much for me. Right. So I got the dates I wanted to run, sent them to Danny. cleared them all that they were available gave them to me
0: so well congratulations on thank you giving that circuit i didn't know anything about it until i saw it on social media and i'm just like wow like i (laughs) i I followed you guys and i I did everything as far as um follow and all all the social media platforms and everything i see it i appreciate that no 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 problem and the next question I was going to ask now, obviously, yeah. I, you know, with Gabby, you know, I, you know, you called her and you want and she gave you the idea of the name and everything. But talk about some of the members of the roster that you have and what made them a perfect fit for this particular promotion that you're running.
1: Um, You know, I. <laughs> clearly, I started at home, right? So mm-hmm. I went Monster Factory first. Right. So clearly, Gabby was in from the get go because. Gabby will be in on anything I'm doing that she wants to be in on. Right. Forever. Um, Same with Mimi, right? Like I've known Mimi now four years. There is not a a human being with a better head on their shoulders.
0: At their age. And she
1: just, no, no period. Yeah. Has nothing to do with her age. You know, albeit she just turned 21. That girl is so comfortable in her own skin With who she is Like you can't sh- Like I love that girl And she's phenomenal on the ring right And then you know Most Terry's other students Salem was training there Nevaeh Madonna Stevie Brooks Ruby O'Connor's gonna ref The first couple shows for me Then we'll transition her Into wrestling on the shows um, you know, Claire Carrera is trained at the Monster Factory for a while. Right. So it was kind of going to home and going, Hey guys, I'm gonna do this. You guys want in? Yeah, <laughs> anybody want to work? You know, and then I reached out to some of the girls that I'm friends with um that I knew that had gotten burned by the previous promotion. You know, in Christina Marie, Ultraviolet, and Rebecca Scott.
2: Mm-hmm. Three
1: phenomenal female talents in their own right. Um, and they also all three happen to be friends of mine. You know, and then I started looking for people who were a little local because again, I'm responsible for this entire budget now. Like this is all my money that I'm playing with right. Um, but people who like who had good attitudes, good work ethics, and just needed some more exposure. So that's where you know, I pull in the the Avery Jacks's. Or the Becca Wiley's. Um, and then. You know I got to talking. You know Vicious Vicky is a good friend of mine. I've known her for years.
2: Right.
1: You know she's like the it girl in New Jersey. So I'm running Jersey. It makes sense to book her. Uh, you know and then it was funny. I happened to be talking to Jenny Rose. Who people will remember from Ring of Honor. You know she did a bunch of stuff in Japan. Like I said she ran around Fred for a little bit. And she hears about it. And I said, uh, now she hasn't wrestled in, I don't know, a while. Okay. And I said, you want to come wrestle? She's like, yeah. I was like, let's go. So, uh, you know, she hasn't wrestled in a while. So then I had to get her a good heel. So, and that's where Valerie Vermin came in.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good stuff. Um, I like her. I mean,
1: because that girl plays heel to a T. Indeed. Um, you know, so, so that's what I looked for. Now, are all those people are gonna be on every show? No, no. Um, I think there are five people I've I've given all of the dates to. Um, and said you're on all of these. And that is uh, I'll break the exclusive here for you, Derek. Gabby and Mimi. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, two people I didn't hit on uh Zoe Cannon who is uh, a student out of Jesus Rodriguez, Ricardo Rodriguez's Three Three Legacies Legacies promotion. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not give this person all the dates, but Adriana Mosley is out of, I think she lives in Virginia or Delaware, but I met her working in Delaware, but she's on the first show. Um, But as far as people who got all the dates, Gabby, Mimi, Zoe, Avery Jacks has them all. Becca Wiley has them all. So you'll see those five people on all of the shows throughout the year. Um, and you'll probably see a bunch of the people that are on the first show, but I'm, you know, going to try and add in some new, new flavors. <laughs> you know, I can tell you the second show, I've got uh, KZT coming in. Um, second show. I got Harlene Lopez coming in. Sammy chaos is coming in. Kate Thorne's coming in for the second show. Um, you know, the, the July show, I just signed uh, Nihir Robles from Puerto Rico
0: oh, is wow. going to come in. Incredible.
1: Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to keep a good core and and mix a, mix a little bit of
0: other people in as well. Now, we're talking about, obviously, you're the owner, you're the booker and everything. Owner, we'll be, booker, promoter. Yeah. Everything. everything. ends with me. Now, will you be bringing in people to assist you with some creative? Would you be bringing some no. other Nope. falls so on you! Wow. That's but
1: that's what everybody wanted, right? Right. People wanted a female wrestling promotion run by a female wrestler.
0: Well, now you got it. No, no, not. And I totally get. It. I was I was talking about where they're going to be. Other women promoting as far as are they helping you out. No.
1: I, you know, and again for me, I, I might be a little bit of a control freak, but that's my money. Yeah, that's my money. So at the end of the day, if I if I make it or lose it, that's on me. You know, so I don't like to let other people play with my money.
0: So you said this? You don't know? No, know, you know, I have God. a
1: group of people coming in to help me on show day. You know, there'll they'll be a handful of the Monster Factory students to run sound, to run the camera, run the switcher, work the door, work concessions, all of that. You know. But anybody you see on the show, including our ringside photographer is Jess. Um, my ring announcer is Rosaria. Um, and Rosaria will be doing commentary with Savannah, Ray. So everyone you see performing on the show are refs. Julie Rogan from uh, Worldwide Dojo, one of Cheeseburger students. And then Ruby O'Connor, who's a Monster Factory student, are all women. And I I think that's really important.
0: Talk about the potential growth of this promotion, because I think, and I've always been an advocate for women's professional wrestling, going back to when I was a kid, you know, being fans of like Wendy Richter and uh, Velvet McIntyre, Leilani Kai, Judy Martin, Sensational Sherry, you know what I mean? The list goes on and on of, of the women that I was fans of, you know, as a kid. Yeah. Do you see more? Could you potentially see more women gravitating towards Bell to Bell to say, "Hey, I want this to be, I want this promotion to go to even greater heights than okay, we're going to be local, but to take it here or take it there? Could you could you potentially see that happening?
1: I mean, anything, I guess, is potential, right? Right. You know, but for right now, I'm I'm good, just running shows out of the factory.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, would it be nice to make a little money? Yes. But I've told everyone, if I break even, I'll be happy. Like, I just don't have to pay to hang out with my fa- my friends, you know, but I, I'm doing this to give back to the women in wrestling because I feel like so much was given to me in wrestling. So this is my way of going, okay, guys, now I'm going to bet on you guys. And here's a funny little story for you, but I have a great niece, Kayla, who is seven. Okay. And she's heard me talk that I was going to open this, this promotion. So on New Year's, I'm at her house with her. I have my iPad, waiting for the ball to drop so I can launch everything. Um, I was having issues getting the website to launch on New Year's Eve. Um, finally, got it figured out. Website's up. She's looking at the roster page. She goes, "Wait a minute, where are the boys?" And I said, "No, n- no, no. It's it's an all women's promotion." She goes, "That's not fair." So I had to, so I had to explain to her that customarily it's been a boys' club, and you know seven boys' matches to one girls' match, and this just kind of tilts it back and gives more exposure to more women that they aren't actually getting normally. But I just loved how she was like, "That's not fair." I was like,
0: "Oh man!" But when I see, you know, obviously, wild superheroes, you know, I mean? a promotion for women, you know what I mean. That's more, that's on the, that's, they have a TV deal. They're on TV and everything. I think that's great. But I think on an independent level, I think this could be major, major league for you. I
1: want, I want more wrestling, less campy shit, (laughs) you know, I want, I want the girls to be able to go out and be creative and show what they can do. That's what I want.
0: that's that's the most important thing because a lot of times, a lot of people are told, you're, you're told what to do. You're told, you're told, you're told. But I think for them to kind of think on their feet or share ideas with each other, you know whether it's a match, whether it's a promo or wherever it might be, I think this can really, really help so many women in this professional wrestling industry because like I said, when I saw it, I was just like over the moon for this because I'm like, it's about damn time. It really is, because I think you see it on on some of the national TV, you know, promotions. It's like the women don't get the time. The women don't get the time. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's an ongoing thing. And I just think there's like, you know what? Buck stops here. Bell to bell is here now. And I think this can really, really set the tone for women's wrestling on the independent level. And I think and- I'm, I'm thinking it's going to get big.
1: <laughs> well, thank, I mean, from your mouth to God's ears, but, you know, and I'd be remiss not to thank people like um, my buddy Francis Legit, who wrestled in England as Cabby, um, who the whole time I was putting stuff together, <clears throat> <laughs> naming shows, doing graphics, I would send it to him. Mm-hmm. I was like, does this look good to the, so, you know, I got to thank him, um, Kevin Kelly, who I reached out to when this, when I was still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. and, you know, got some really good advice and feedback from him. And, you know, him telling me, he said the same thing that Danny said, and that when I talked to Homicide about it, he said, he goes, Missy, if anybody can make this work. It's you.
0: Right. You know,
1: so those guys really made me comfortable to go, all right, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's give it a try.
0: Awesome. Well, March 2nd is going to be the very first event. You know, you can get your tickets right now at, bell to bell.com and that's again it's spelled b-e-l-l-e i'm sorry it b-e yeah b-e-l-l-e the number two b-e-l-l.com tickets are starting at five dollars okay tickets are starting at well,
1: five. No, no 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 that's a vip upgrade to get in early mm-hmm. the lowest ticket to get in is 10 bucks for ga
0: okay my bad ten dollars to get in okay but when you are again putting this car together, when you're putting all of these talents together and everything, what was the what was the goal for the first show in regards to saying, hey, we're here, or this is more or less a common kind of trial and error thing?
1: No, well, you know, I, I laid out who I had, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and then in my head, I'm like, which of these people do I think are gonna gel well together, right? Right visually, what's gonna be a, a really good match, right? That's where you get top tier Tierra James versus Gabby. Like to me, that looks like that's gonna be a fucking knockout match. And then, you know, when I'm looking at Jenny Rose hasn't wrestled in a while, and she's a babyface. So I gotta get her a really good heel. Well, Valerie Verman fits that, you know, and then and then I'm looking at, you know. Clara Carreras who I'll tell you now is in the first match on the show Clara Carreras versus Becca Wiley is the first match on the show because Clara has such energy about her he does. but like when you're talking about kicking the very first show off and I said this to her I go I need you to go out there with your energy and set the tone you know so you, you know that's kind of what what I look at you know And then you look at the entire card and who's in your main event, except the only person that was formally signed to WWE, who I think is one of the best workers on the card, bar none. So then you get Mimi. Okay, well, who can I put in the ring with Mimi to make it a main event? And you look at Rebecca Scott and all the work she's put in. And that girl is a self-promoting machine. And she works very hard and she's very good at what she does. So, bam, there's the main event, you know, and then I don't think I've, I haven't seen advertised anywhere, Vicky versus ultraviolet. And I think that'll be a really good match. So, bam, you put that together, you know, so it, that's how I kind of went with it was who do I have? Who do I have? That's kind of new and maybe needs to be led a little bit. I.e. Becca Wiley,
2: you know, Claire right. Carreras, hmm
1: you know, and then, you know, but who's going to work really well together? What do I think if I, if I give, you know, two people or there's, you know, there's one tag match on the first show, four people. If I, if I give them the ring as this canvas to paint me a picture, what combination here is going to get me the prettiest pictures? Well said. <laughs> you know, and, and, and doing that with trying to mix up, matchups that you know i know mimi and rebecca scott have wrestled before i know that gabby and and tiara james have wrestled each other before but trying to come up with as many unique matchups as i can um you know is is also something while, while giving some of the newer girls people they haven't worked before you know so that they have a new experience so that's you know that's kind of what i thought about you know, wow. and you're not going to see heavy angles on the first show.
0: That was going to be my be next heavy. question, as far as the direction you were going to go to, as far as story wise, or so this was just going to be all just all just, re- just re- wrestling matches.
1: I'm sure it's. I'm sure at some point, maybe even on the second show, um, you'll start seeing some some angles flesh themselves out. Um, there's nothing really angled on the first show. It's it's guys like let's not let that distract for this first show. Just go to the ring and show these people what you can do. That's it. Just cool. go be pro wrestlers and create.
0: Well, I am definitely you know, We'll, we'll see how it plays that.
1: out and then like I said, angles may create themselves based on what happens. Who knows? You know, do I have ideas for for stuff I can make an angle once it happens? Mm-hmm. To thread back to? Yeah. Right but I don't think the the first show needs to be angle heavy.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, before we get out of here, where can number one, all the social media for bell to bell and your own social media as well, where can the people find you and where connect all the social media for, for you and bell to bell?
1: Um, I'm not on Facebook much. Um, I do have a Facebook page still. It's Missy Samson. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't message me on there. The, the messenger messes up my phone. Um, I'm on Twitter at wrestling Missy. Instagram is at wrestling Missy and the number one. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty much where you can find me. Um, bell to bell is everywhere. It's just at bell to bell dot, you know, at bell to bell, B E L L E the number two B E L L. That's Twitter Instagram there's a Facebook page um, yeah you know bell is the website um, you know try to keep it as easy to follow as possible.
0: Good good and where could people watch could will this be streaming online? No
1: we are not streaming anywhere. I am in the middle of trying to work out where after the show is done we will tape it and live edit it while it occurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm trying to work out a, um, the website has a, a page that says pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It's a holder page right now. Um, we're trying to work out being able to then upload the show to the website for people to buy, to be able to watch it afterwards. You know, whether that's right after or a day or two after, but you know, within a day or two, being able to upload it and then people can buy it and watch it off the website. That's not hundred percent done yet. I, that's still being worked on.
0: Well, that's a, that's a smart marketing idea. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Missy, again, you're an extremely busy person again. And uh, I thank you very, very much for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to come on to the DLU podcast to talk about a, your, your illustrious wrestling career You've you've had 28 years in a business you know, you coaching and now being a promoter for your own, you know, wrestling company. You know, I'm proud, you know, to say that, you know, I, that I'm one of your students and proud to say that I'm part of the monster factory and, and anything that I could do from home or whatever the case may be, you know, to assist Bell to Bell, you know, you, you, you don't, you already know, you can reach out to me however you need.
1: Thanks. Steve. I, thank you for asking me to come on your podcast. Um, I love you. I said it before. I'll say it again. You are family you have- to me. I love you very much, my friend. Thank you uh, for having me on and giving me this avenue to discuss, you know, my career and coaching and now bell to bell. I appreciate you very much, man.
0: All right. Thank you. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the DLU Podcast. Once again, I do want to thank Missy Sampson for coming onto the show to talk about all aspects of her career in the in the wrestling business. And she's welcome to come back anytime she so desires, and to all the women that's going to be on the roster of Bell to Bell, I wish you all the best, and I know you guys are going to knock it completely out of the park. Well, before we get out of here, I just want to let you know, um, subscribe to the show. If this is your first time listening, or if you're on the fence, subscribe, no matter which platform you're on. So if it's iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, whichever platform that you're on. Make sure you just hit the subscribe button so you automatically get all new content every single time that it's available to you. Make sure you do that. My single with Angie Stars, as Passion is on all platforms. The, new, the music video can seen, be seen on Vivo, YouTube, Tidal, and Apple Music. Make sure you do that. So stream the song and stream the music video as well. Do all that stuff. My social media. All platforms is at the real DTLU except Facebook, which is Derek T. Lewis' official page. Now, in regards to my store, now obviously the company below the collar that was housing my store is no longer in existence, and I am in the process of relaunching the store. So, shop.derektelewis.com is temporarily down, but have no fear, DLU is here. I will be bringing back all new well, more or less updated merchandise within the coming weeks. So you'll definitely be, uh, as you, if you guys follow me on my social media, you'll be able to uh, see. Also, just to let, let you guys know, new website, thedlouppodcast.com. It is up, and it will basically lead you to Believe's website, of course, but it's now its own website now. I'm really excited that I was able to get it, and if you have any questions or or if anybody that wants to be a guest on the show, you can just shoot me an email at info at com. Well, I'm going to get out of here. And like I always say, guys, no matter what it is you do in life, always remember to make it count. See you next time.